Okay, we're recording. So, back here for uh, with Brandon. This is Mark. We got UFC Scoop TV. It's been a while. How you been, Brandon? I've been doing good, man. Been doing good. I can't complain. Getting kindergarten work done. You know, virtual learning. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> are, are you going to graduate early and enroll early in the first grade? Oh man, uh, if they let us, <laughs> if they let us. <clears throat> so anyways, I uh, thought we'd hook up with each other, uh, kind of catch up, get each other's thoughts on, uh, you know, we're basically halfway through fall camp, believe it or not, our Trojans yeah. are off and less than two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah, less than days, two weeks. 13 days, 12 days, whatever <clears throat> right now. Tonight's uh, Sunday night. So, um, November 7th, 9 a.m. 9 a.m., bright and early. Yeah. As uh, John Canzano from the Oregonian said, uh, instead of Bloody Marys for, for tailgating, we'll be having Bloody Larrys in reference to uh, Larry Scott. His brilliant. <laughs> having yeah. the Pac-12 kicking off at 9 a.m. on the West Coast. I guess he's trying to compete with Ohio State. Yeah, you know, but someone needs to remind him that it's – you know, it's noon in Columbus when they came right, <laughs> right, it's nine a.m. out here. But right, I think we've yeah. covered that before. But uh, so, what have you know? You, you've had a chance to kind of glean the pictures that you know we've been able to post and some one two some minute videos. videos. Yeah. yeah, some videos, some hype videos. You know, following uh, Gavin Morris, his his Instagram story. For for those of you who don't know, follow uh, Dagman Seven on Instagram, he, he, that's that's Gavin Morris. What, what is his position title now, Mark? He's, uh, he, he, he's like a, a, associate AD, isn't he? Yeah, he, he's just in charge of player relations, I guess. Right, right. Well, his, his Instagram. Yeah, he's a, he would be the liaison between the players and any type of administration that, you know, the players would need to have a go with. Got you. Got you. So, yeah, his Instagram feed, though, is filled with clips from practice, for those of you who don't know. So, check him out. Um, but so far, I think um, the defense has improved, I'm hoping. <laughs> the offensive line seems promising from the interviews. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Well, you know, they just had their second scrimmage at the Coliseum uh, mm -hmm. this past Saturday, and you know, like you were talking about with Gavin, uh, he was pretty adamant that the defense won the day. Yes. Uh, but that's good news. I mean, you know, I, I think we want to hear that. Right. Um, and on the flip side, you're wondering, you know, okay, so can our offense be stopped then? And <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, yeah, by the same defense that sees them every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, obviously there was something somewhere in the middle. I, I think, if anything, it was just right, that. right. You know, there's going to be days where the defense has the advantage. You, you have to think they have seen this offense every day, Absolutely. you know. So um, they're, they're, they're going to have their spots. Uh, but uh, I, I've heard good things about the offense. You know, Stephen Carr is having a really good camp from what we hear. Um, he's yeah. holding it down back there with some injuries at the tailback spot. What I like, what I've heard about Stephen Carr and, and Coach Helton even uh, addressed this, and, and Coach Jinks addressed it as well. Um, he's not dancing anymore behind the line. He, he's actually right. just 
he's seeing the hole. He's just one cut and go. Right. Uh, and with Greg, he's been really consistent about that. And the one time, I guess, where he started to maybe take a step back and, and start doing that, you know, Danny Terrio pitter patter stuff. Um, Clay Hilton immediately pulled him over and says, you know, don't go back. You know, don't, don't, in other words, don't go back to your bad habits. Right. He's right. Doing what doing. So um, that's definitely been an emphasis, you know, and, and Stephen even talked about that um, during the week uh, when he was on um, that, you know, he's already shown everybody in the country that he knows how to catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, he knows how to, how to make a defender miss. Now it's about being physical and, uh, you know, right. And, he he looks the part now of a physical back. Uh, you know, in the photos, he's he he looks. I, I'm not sure what he's weighing in at right now, but he he looks solid at whatever that weight is. He looks really solid, and um, you know, he Stephen Carr. What is this? His junior year. Um, there's a kid across the country who's a top tailback, the same year as him, coming out of high school. Who's having a decent season? He's running behind Alabama's line, so it's a little different. But I'm sure Stephen Carr has been keeping an eye on Najee Harrison and his production so far, and you know that 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 probably puts a little chip on his shoulder. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, these guys keep track of each other. Um, you know, they're all mm-hmm. blue, chip guy, blue chip guys, and right, right. You know, but uh, yeah, Stephen, he, this is his senior year, so I'm not. Well, I don't wow, want to say senior year. I, I know, man. Man. They come in, they're crawling, and by the time we're done, you know, we blink. They're they're running away from us. You know what it's like to be a dad. Yeah, <laughs> four four years in college is, and we're lucky if we get four with most of these guys. So, exactly, exactly. Right. So yeah, um, hopefully, you know, hopefully, you know, one of the emphasis has been, you know, these guys want to be physical this year and. And it seems that uh, Stephen Carr has decided, you know, he's going to try and be that physical running back. And he's getting plenty of opportunity. Um, you know, Marquis Step, they're still trying to bring him along slowly. Uh, he's almost there. Uh, it's his with, ankle he's dealing with, correct? Yeah. Uh, same with, yeah. Same with Ravai. Um, Keenan Christian's also getting getting a big chunk of workload this, this you know, spring, fall camp, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, but he's also, you know, he's already added some some good weight as well, uh, which Coach Jinx had mentioned. Uh, it's going to help him with the blocking and being able to absorb and, you know, some of that punishment that maybe last year he, he maybe wasn't prepared for. He kind of got right. thrown into that position. You know, the running back room, those guys were injured throughout the year. And Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's not too pretty right now either. I mean, out of the five, five scholarship backs, you got – three healthy right now, which is, you know, in college football, that number could dwindle down very quickly. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think if they were playing a game next week, they'd probably all play. Right. I, I think they're probably just keeping these guys in bubble wrap just as a precaution. Uh, I can all, understand that. Although there are but a lot of hamstring issues going on right now. So. And we're talking about two guys who have been injury prone in the past. Right. So that's my concern. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and I, these hamstrings are because it, it's because of COVID. They haven't been running the same. But it, it's the change of direction. Even running is, you can't change the direction by playing football. You know, when they sat out that whole no spring and sitting out the summer, uh, you know, yeah, they were working out. But how much real like surprise? It's time to move this way. Were they doing? Yeah, these guys. Yeah, you know, in one respect. Um, 
USC kind of has an advantage. Uh, I would say the vast majority of the team stuck around and hung out together during the summer mm -hmm. and worked out together. But, you know, they were really under the impression that they weren't anticipating. Playing the season, yeah. Right. So while they were working out, they really weren't in football shape. And right. now, you know, they kept getting yo-yoed back and forth. And now, obviously, we're playing. Right. Uh, they're trying to do everything and get it all crammed into such a short amount of time. Um, and then this is where the injuries, the soft tissue injuries are coming into play, the hamstrings, mm -hmm. that type of stuff. So it's, you know, it's how you get them from point A to point B and how fast you can get them there. Yeah. You know, you're, you're trying to run a marathon at a sprinter's pace sprinter's pace right now and it's tough right um so. it'll be interesting to see how you know this the entire season go not just for the pac-12 but for all these other conferences you know the big 12 starting up or the big 10 starting up this week excuse me right <clears throat> um there we're gonna see some i'm sure they'll have some turbulence whether it be injuries covid lists you know things of that nature so everybody should be prepared well, before we actually talk about the big, um, you know, and you talked about injury, you know, I'm sure you saw Jalen Waddle from Alabama. You know, he's he's yes. lost the season. So that's another concern yes. that these players, you know, are having. On that note, you know, don't be surprised if you see more players maybe start opting out during the season, mm -hmm. um, especially if they see some of their teammates, you know, falling to injury. Right. Uh, again. I, I'm just throwing it out there, speculative type of stuff. Oh, it's a good point because uh, uh, I'm not sure if, if it's a related topic yet, but Rondell Moore may have opted out again from Purdue because he didn't play this week and they didn't say anything about the reason why. So, But, but they said he's going to be back next week. Oh, they did? Okay, I didn't hear that part. Okay. He's, he's expected back next week. Expected back next week. Right. After watching Jalen Waddle, though. Who <laughs> knows? Exactly. That's my point. <laughs> you, know, you know, we're talking about this, and it's because, you know, the team just finished up, you know, Hell Week. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be their, you know, toughest, you know, the toughest week of camp for these guys. So on Saturday, they had their second scrimmage of the Coliseum. And, uh, you know, it's hard to glean what actually happened with, you know, the amount of video, the, that they're releasing to us. And we're grateful for everything the university is giving us, photos, video, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but what I got from it was it seemed like a lot of, you know, they were trying to determine the backups. I, I don't know if a lot, you know, there was a lot of reps for the starters and the ones and the twos. I think the guys who were, uh, who were trying to get into the rotation were getting a lot of the work this past Saturday. I could see that. I could see and that, again, you know. And again, being the end of hell week, uh, those guys probably had the least amount of work. So right. their bodies were probably ready to take it and give the guys who were working the hardest during the week the day off. Right. Uh, and that makes sense. This is this will be the part of camp where you want to figure those things out. You want, you know, you, you want to know what you got behind your starters. Right, right. You have to know. On that, what do you think? You know, where do you think the, the, the starters are gonna be as far as on the O line? What are you hearing? Ooh, ooh! So the big name I'm hearing that might surprise some people is Liam Jimmins. Okay, where? At what position though? Guard. I'm not sure which guard though. I, I'm I'm guessing left guard because Voorhees already has experience at right guard. 
you know, but I would suggest to these other young guards, be ready. Because yep. once again, when I mentioned the name Andrew Voorhees, I really like Voorhees, but he's injury prone. Every year he's had some type of issue. So he's a big dude. And I don't know if yes. you saw saw his latest photos from 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 camp. The dude's got muscles kind of bulging out of muscles. I mean, it's it's kind of he, he almost looks like a rock type of dude. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of those I don't know if it's DC or Marvel. One of those. Yeah, I, he reminded me of a wrestler almost, you know, yeah. these big wrestler guys. But both Liam's, not just Jimmins. Liam Douglas is also a name that uh, that Clay made point of mentioning. Mm -hmm. But I think the starting offensive line, uh, we're going to, from what I'm gathering, I think it's going to be AVT at left tackle. Yep. I think it's going to be Voorhees at left guard. Okay. Okay. Uh, I like I like that combination on the left side. Yeah, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, or, you know, they could put Voorhees at right guard and Dietrich at left guard. And then you've got Jalen McKenzie at right tackle. And so uh, let, let me ask if, what, if they keep If they go with Voorhees at left guard, and that's what I'm hearing, I think mm -hmm. Lou Gibbons is going to be your starting right guard. Okay. So there – that you know, you heard Liam Jimmins. That's where he's. I yeah. Think he's I, gonna okay. Okay, and that that makes sense to me because I know he played a little bit of right guard last year. So I just left guard because I know Voorhees was pretty cemented in in that right guard spot. But what are your thoughts on on McKenzie? I know you haven't got a chance to see him in person this fall, but you know, just from what you know about him coming into the season, what are your thoughts on McKenzie? I, I think he knows that the focus is going to be on him. Um, you know, mm -hmm. last year it, it really wasn't on him because you had Austin Jackson on the other side. Um, and I, I just think Jalen's ready to take that, that leadership role. Uh, he's been very vocal, you know, during this off season um, mm -hmm. with other things, you know, the uh, we are United stuff and the let them play. You know, all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. He's he's been one of the vocal leaders for the team. Um, I think he's ready to, to maybe try and bring that onto the field as well, um, which is a good thing. So yeah, say, most definitely. Yeah, I mean, you want your offensive linemen to be leaders. You know, we need those guys to be ready to answer the call every Saturday or yeah, Friday I, night. I, I just want them to be ready physically, and and they look like it. Um, you know, I know Todd Orlando has got the defense jacked up and they're bringing it every day. Right. Um, and they're bringing it to that offense. Hey, can we put Victor Sooto in a uniform? Seriously, <laughs> can no? we, does he have any eligibility left? Cause man, I'd like to have, see him over there mixed in with the D line rotation. Yeah. I, I'll be all about that. You know what? And I, and I think that worked. <laughs> I don't know subconsciously or not, but I'll guarantee you, he's an intimidating factor. And if you're out there practicing and you're not bringing the same type of energy and passion that he's bringing, you're yeah. probably standing next to one of the coaches on the sideline because they're not going to put oh, up yeah. that practice here. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, why would he? Because he looks he doesn't look like a guy who's thrown energy for sure. And that, But that's what we've heard about this entire defensive staff from – Coach Naver at the safety position and Dante Williams with the cornerbacks. 
you know, all the way through Todd Orlando over the entire defense. We just heard the energy has been, you know, sorry, I got to another uh, level. In case you heard me just blurt out that I got the Dodger game over my left shoulder here, bottom of the line, they're up by two, and they can't get a closer to save their lives. I, I just don't get it. Dave Roberts is going to just give Tampa Bay this World Series. I hate him. Anyways. So um, that's just you know how raw this show is. <laughs> <We're> gonna, <laughs> we might have some Dodger fans tuning in. Like I remember when that was going on. No real format here. We're just talking. But yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think <clears throat> the thing that they're really trying to get across to the kid, to the guys in in, in camp and have them prepared for the next in two weeks is just to be aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you were touching on it. They brought in Graham Harrell last year. Uh, the offense is much more aggressive now. Right. And, and I think Clay stays out of it. He lets Graham do his own thing. Uh, we know Todd Orlando has that same type of aggressive personality. The assistants that he brought along with him, as you were mentioning, Craig Niver, Vixa Oto, Dante Williams, um, and then you got Sean Snyder with the special teams. Uh, I, I think that's what they're really trying to incorporate and get the guys just, just to change their mentality, change that culture, because that was what was missing. The talent's yeah. always been there. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, now just bring the right attitude. And even Clay's admitting to it, you know, the, both Graham and Todd are, I, I think he called them the... Uh, the two most competitive souls he's ever been associated with. So, um, you know, that that's clay with talking and it's, we just, come he's a, he sure does have a way with words. That's why we love him. Right. And I, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I think he's finally found and he's got this year to, to kind of, to work with it. Right. Um, yeah. Do you think like a throwaway year for him to right, right to, to kind of you know find out who he is and what he can be, and, and to grow as a coach, and if he's surrounding himself with the right type of assistance, remember Davo Sweeney was the same type of guy that Clay was his first three or four years. I've compared the family, faith, you know, God stuff. I, com I compared Heldon to Dabo for a long time, but I stopped giving him the comparison because I felt that he didn't progress the way I saw Dabo progress with his coordinator. Now, it's, don't get me wrong, Clay's, he hired a couple of guys in there the past now. who turned out to be really good assistants who aren't there yeah. now, who you know took better jobs and, and moved yeah. on. But the whole time with the coordinator position, I just felt like, especially when we talk about the defensive side, the change need to happen, right. you know, so, and then, so and then, long ago. And that's the major difference is Clemson right. has been able to keep some consistency with their right. staff. Yes. It, I don't think people really understand how important that is. Oh, it's uh, huge. Oh, it's ba Bama. Look what it's doing to LSU this year. Bama's different. Nick Saban is running a machine over there. Yeah. You're not going to do what that always, guy did. He always makes sure his his player rotation is never going to be 15 guys leaving to the NFL. And then all of a sudden you're plugging in 15 freshmen to replace them. Yeah. Right. That's what happened at LSU. 
Right. You, you replaced coaches and and <laughs> yeah, and players. Right. You right about that. It was just right about that. Much. It was just way too much. Yeah. Um, what you know, we were talking about. You know, is is Clay finally turning into the Dabo Sweeney? Um, one of the things I kind of wrote about uh, that, that I published on Sunday was, you know, does coach want to be, you know, the next Urban Meyer? And Urban Meyer is, was talking, said something that you and I are talking about right now, that it's not the job of the head coach to be aggressive. It's the responsibility of the coordinators. Yeah, but you got to, the head coach has to go hire those coordinators. Well, there you go. He's taken that step. Yes, and and let's be so honest. He was, this, a, this is his throwaway year. Let's find right. out if, if Clay turned the corner. If he hasn't, you know what? Oh man, don't tell me we're gonna waste Todd Orlando's one good defensive coordinator year on a throwaway year. No, <laughs> I'm just but kidding. I say a throwaway year. It's either it's either, it's, it, it's gonna be boom or bust for Clay. It's, it's <clears> now it's honestly, is seven and zero or, or you're, and, and and let's be honest. Let, let me ask you an honest question. If is this really a throwaway year? Because even if USC goes seven and zero, beats Oregon in the championship game, do they have a shot at a playoff? Well, they're number twenty in the coaches' poll, number twenty-one in the AP poll before they kicked off. I've said they've got to be inside that top twenty before they actually take a snap. Mm. Got two more weeks for them to to keep moving up while the teams kind of stumble in front of them. Um, you know, Indiana. Thank you. Um, you helped a little bit. <laughs> you know, we got to keep an eye on Coastal Carolina. Close, closest play I've ever seen in my life. I have watched. How many times have you watched that replay? I watched it. I don't know. I was watching it. I was watching it live. I was on Facetime. I was like, "Oh my god, this is the closest play I've ever seen." You just knew they weren't going to take that play away from them, though. So Coastal Carolina, don't they only have like a four-game schedule though? Um, I don't know how many games they have left, but. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. Yeah, they They're, are. I, I, I put it a, a, a Twitter link uh, up on the board on uscscoop.com. You should check it out. That coaching staff is a lot of fun. Nope. Who, who's their head coach over there? It's a former uh, player, right? It's a former I can't remember his name. Don't ask. Oh, man. But this dude. Hey, there it is. Dodgers is final, 4-2. All right. I actually threw in the towel after yesterday's loss. <laughs> Seriously, to me that was such a devastating loss. They, they literally went. Hey, but they bounced back. Game. They bounced back, and it was Kershaw. So Kershaw got a win tonight. That's good. He he needs that confidence boost because if but it goes a game Kershaw seven, you know they're going to walking off the mound as a World Series champion tonight. That's my point. Dave Roberts. Yeah, I don't know. You know, hey, people man, used to give Clay Helton grief for sticking with Toa Toa Lobendon at center for too long. Dave Roberts has that same thing with, with Kimley Jansen. Oh yeah. It, it's just, yeah. you know, there's a time you just got to say, you know what? I love you, but I got to do what's best for the team. And if you're struggling, you're struggling. You just, as a head coach, you got to make that, you got to make that's that. Why that's why I'll make a good coach one day. Cause I don't love my players that much. If you sucking up dog, I, I got somebody else to replace that ass. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was fortunate enough to be a high school basketball coach for a year, and it it's tough to draw that line in the sand where you want to be their friend and their confidant. Oh, yeah, but I still I, – I was quick to bench a guy 
Oh, trust me. It was easy. I was a quick convention guy. It was easy. But you, at the same time, inside, you're like, oh, man, you want to put your arm around. I was like, time and place. Yeah. Anyways. There you go. <laughs> but back to, uh, you know, maybe Clay Helton turning the corner. Um, I, I really like what Urban Meyer was talking about on the uh, on Fox's uh, big noon kickoff show on Saturday. You know, we talked about you know the responsibilities. You know who should be aggressive. You know, obviously, you know what he was referring to uh, is once you hire those that type of coach, that personality, it's up to those assistants to make sure you're not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk. Right. And the head coach has a lot got to let those guys do it. You know, have have the trust in them to do it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that he mentioned that I really liked that stuck with me um, was, you know, how he was talking about the art of play calling is it's a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is why head coaches need to, you know, rely on their, their coordinators and their coaches to do their jobs. So, you know, the head coach can focus, you know, on the details. Right. You know, on, you know, Clock management. <laughs> and that's what I was going to say. There's so many things that a head coach is thinking about oh. during a football game. Calling the next, you know, because really as a play caller, you really got to have like a, a, a play tree of like five players. Okay, if this happens, we're going this way. If this happens, we're going this way. And if this happens, we're going this way. And continue on for about four or five plays. The great ones do, you know. They have a, they have a script in their mind. Well, and I as a head coach – Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mentioned that Penn State-Indiana game. Perfect example. Yeah. The end of the game. Oh my God. Penn State's got the ball. Why did they hand the ball off? And even if they do hand the ball off, someone Why has did that guy go that down? Player, you do not cross that goal line because they're going to let so, you score. Who, somebody in the NFL lost like that today, too. I, and this is stuff that's happening in, across the country. I mean, it's happening everywhere. And you're thinking, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? The longer the Pac-12 waits to start, the better. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. They've got all this evidence to work with. But the teams that have been, you know, look, the Big Ten, they just started. They've had a chance to watch this stuff happening, and they're still making these mistakes. So mm -hmm. if the grass isn't always greener, you know, people are always saying, you know, we want James Franklin and we want this coach and that coach. These same guys are making boneheaded mistakes, and they shouldn't be making these mistakes. Now, I, I, I will admit, in that Penn State game, somebody told that running back not to cross the goal line because he hesitated and looked around and was like, what? It, uh, uh, uh. it was like it dawned on him at the last second. It was like, wait a minute, this is too good to be true. I can't wait. No. Right. And There's somebody no told that defense, let him go. Yeah. Don't even yeah. go near him. <laughs> Give him the biggest hole he's ever seen. He won't know what to do with it. That was a fun game to watch. I'll, I'll tell you what. Yeah. There's nothing like college football. And I'm glad the Big Ten Conference is back. Yes. I'm embarrassed the Mountain West Conference is back before the Pac-12. But, you know, we've got two more weeks. For whatever reason, we got to kick the can. Quick note for anybody interested, since I live in Las Vegas, I've been following the UNLV hype train all summer because they have uh, Oregon's offensive coordinator. What's his name? Marcus Arroyo. Arroyo, yeah, yeah. Guess what? They still suck. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, they had a couple of good drives. Yesterday. I watched. I watched the <laughs> play last night. Yeah, and I was watching college football from. from oh yeah, all day. Morning until the last San Jose State game ended. Which, by the I, I, way, I, they ended Air Force's uh, longest winning streak in the country last night. Oh wow! See, I was watching the UNLV game, but I fell asleep about the third quarter, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I right now, I am a complete college football junkie. I've always had oh, been. It, it it almost hurt my heart sitting here yesterday thinking we still got two more weeks. What am I supposed to do? But you know what? The Big Ten came to our rescue. Yes. Some really good games to watch, some fun games. Yes. Um, See, competitive. I was I was surprised how competitive Nebraska came out against Ohio State yesterday. And they were competitive for a while, and then uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Day decided to uh, turn up the volume a little bit. Yeah, he even, a, he even gave a half-assed apology after the game because they, I, which I felt was unnecessary. Like, why even apologize? This was Urban but, Meyer was notorious for. You know what? And I hope if USC has the opportunity, they do. Yeah, have I, this mentality. This is college football. This is not for the faint of heart. This is the sportsmanship isn't in it. Is hey, I'm gonna shake your hand after the game. But if you step out on this field and you can't stop us. Be prepared because we're not going to stop until they take margin of victory out of this whole component thing for for the playoffs. You got to do it. I you mean, I, don't, I've don't never some half-assed apology <laughs> that makes zero sense. No. We had a backup quarterback in, and we didn't have the right personnel to take a knee. What? What? <laughs> How he was able to say that with a straight face was beyond me. But <laughs> he got through it. But my point being is no one's going to remember, you know, being a jerk 48 hours from now, let alone two months from now, when the playoff committee's getting together and saying, you know. Oh, yeah, they're just going to look at the box score and be like, oh, they oh, scored 50-something that game. Nebraska. Right. Right. So, you know, USC has that opportunity to do that against Arizona State out of the box. Yeah. Because I kind of look at Arizona State and Nebraska at the same level of, of, of talent. Really? Yeah. I'll give I want to give Arizona State a slight edge because they actually have a professional coaching staff. Herm Edwards has been a coach for a long time at a lot I'm of levels. I'm talking about the talent on the field. I'm not talking. I about feel that. you. Okay. But I'm just saying I think that gives them the edge as far as their on the field production. And that's what concerns me is Clay having way too much respect for Herm Edwards. And you know what? That's fine. As long as Graham Harrell and Todd Orlando has no respect for her. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Graham Harrell doesn't have respect for anybody. He's from Texas. and They do things different out there. <laughs> like I said, I, yeah. I even talked about that this past week. There, there, you're right. There is a certain personality. Um, you know, Todd Orlando, he's not from Texas, but he's, He's, he's got been enough, down there for a while. He's been spending enough time down there that he's grown right. roots down there. Yeah. Coach Niver. Um, you know, that whole Big 12 area. So it, they went and grabbed the right personalities to bring over to this team. That's what was missing last year. Yeah. So, missing for a while. Missing for a while. Right. And, um, you, you got to grab that while you have that momentum, you got to grab it. You got to keep it. 
And right now, USC has that momentum. Uh, they can't lose it right out of the box. You know, go get that win. Look good doing it. And let go on to week two, travel to Tucson. Sorry, I just looked up and saw this Arizona and Seattle games in overtime. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think the week one matchup against Arizona State will definitely be uh, one to look forward to. Um, I'm interested to see what Jaden Daniels comes out looking like. If he comes out looking like the same scrawny kid from last year, might be a long day for Arizona State because athletic as he is, I, I went back and watched his tape and he, he's good, but he 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 doesn't have the same type of zip on that ball that you see from you know Keaton Slovis, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, those type of quarterbacks, you know. And that's the thing we don't know. You know, has he improved his accuracy? You know, right? Can he throw on the run, or mm -hmm. is his first inclination going to be? You know, to, when he's chased, tuck it. off because right. he's got a new group of skill position players that he's got to work some, you know. A young group. A young a group. group to, 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 to learn that chemistry, to, to build that <clears> chemistry. <throat> um, you know, Ayuk is gone. Um, their running back, Eno, is gone. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. But they did bring in some good young talent. They've got some, right. you know, like um, you said, they've got some They do have uh, Darby coming back at receiver. I like Darby. He's one of the, the top receivers in the Pac-12. But yeah. those other two, three receiver slots, will, you know, there's a chance a freshman may be filling one or two of those. Oh, I guarantee it. Um, you know, L.V. Bunkley from out here in, you know, California. USC was mm -hmm. after. Um, he eventually, you know, chose Arizona State. Which is, I think, is a good spot for him. Um, right. The depth right. chart at USC would have been really tough for him to crack. Really tough. Yeah. Uh, I know that USC wanted them both on you offense and defense. And defense, yeah. So um, ASU was able to sell him on offense, and I think it'll work out best for him. So, so, so that's a player. That's a player to keep an eye. Well, yeah. And, and and we we're talking about ASU's young receivers. They're going to come out against USC's veteran group of DBs, you know. And, and Dante Williams was talking his guys up back there. And even in some of these highlights we've been seeing, the DBs been making some plays out there. So, yeah, I think that, he, I think he might have tipped his hand as far as who the starters are going to be as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's probably going to be OG, Elijah Griffin, and um, Chris Steele. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know that doesn't mean that you're not going to have three corners plus a nickel out on the field at the same time. Right. Right. So you now, know, if you're Isaac Taylor Stewart, you're going to be out there. If you're oh Matt Isaac Taylor, Taylor Stewart's going to play, no doubt. He's going to play a lot too. He's going to play a lot of ball because right. he's the wild card in all of this. There's a chance they might be able to move him around to a couple other spots, you know, and okay. and and really just let him be athletic. Like, hey, just be athletic, make a play. So you're, you're six, three or six, four, whatever you're claiming to be right now. Right. And you run a four, four and you're weighing 225 pounds or whatever you're claiming you're weighing. Is he claiming he's that big right now? He's claiming Taylor Mays right now. He literally he ain't a said, safety. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So if you've got that type of athletic ability built in. You got to find a way to unleash it. Yeah, you got to find a way to unleash go it. Go make a play. Right. Go make a play. You know, Matt so. Williams, who is the complete opposite on the body spectrum as far as height, 
You know, that dude's a little bulldog. He's a Nikel Roby Coleman. Yeah. You know, he's he's getting a lot of burn right now. He might be your what, starting nickelback. With a laser focus. And, and and don't take that as Greg Johnson not making plays because yeah. we just That's saw him movie. take a pick six to the house in the in yeah. a scrimmage. So you, you know, the fact that we have this type of competition going on on the defensive side of the ball is very encouraging to me. I honestly I want the defense to win practice right now. Correct. That's the I, I know what our offense is going to do come game time. You Correct. give Keaton protection. I know these guys could catch. I know they could run routes. I know they're going to perform. You know what I mean? It's time for us to know that, hey, USC has a solid defense. When's the last time you really felt confident in, in a USC defense going into the season? Like, hey, these guys are going to be good. Are you ask, waiting for an answer? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm asking you. I want to know. Um, phew. Well, obviously, the first really great defense that just is going to pop into my head is 2008. Yeah. And obviously, they've had some good defenses since then. We've but, had some some good ones, but that one was one that we knew going into every right. game. Hey, The game was over. It didn't matter. USC just had to score a couple touchdowns. Game was over. Right. If they if USC's offense struggled that day and it's only scored 21 to And it, it was a chance that that defense might have gave you a score. Right. I mean – People don't remember that defense gave up less than 10 points per game on the season. Less than 10 points per game. And we still recruit that caliber of athlete. So there's no reason, even with, Hey, if, if our defense could manage somewhere, being honest in the 15 to 18 point range, I think that's a top 10 defense right there. Right. But you know what? Those days are long gone. You're not even, you're not going to even see those type of defenses in the SEC right now. Nick Saban came straight out and said it. It's going to take points to win a championship this year. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. He literally said that this past weekend. Defense is not going to win your championship this year. Points are going to win you the championship. To hear Nick Saban say that is pretty telling. Yeah. Um, now, whether that, how much of that is has to do with this year and not being able, you know, teams being able to work out. I mean, defenses look bad tackling poor pursuit angles it in every conference it looks bad mm-hmm. um, hopefully like i said by the time the pac-12 kicks off they'll look the least bad i think the, the big 10 from what i saw looked the least bad of everybody who's played so far coming out of the box right right uh, so hopefully you know usc could be at that stage where they look competent on defense um my point being is the offense are so wide open and the way the game is being officiated um I yeah, think it definitely plays to the offense's favor oh i mean look at the targeting calls that are constantly being reviewed and they're being overturned yeah. by the way which is good because yes. they teach these guys how to tackle this year and they don't know how to yeah. do it and the referees are like okay was the guy's head in the right spot what was the intent you know did he Launching isn't, you know, a tar- isn't nece- necessarily a targeting call. You're you're right because I saw somebody leave their feet to make a hit yesterday, and they didn't they they reviewed it and and pulled right. back the targeting call, which honestly surprised me because I figured leaving your feet was an automatic call because I remember a couple years ago they gave it to to um, Cam, our our linebacker against Penn State, right. And, and it, there was a little contact to the head, but it wasn't like, you know, 
but they said he lost himself. Yeah, it, it's such a gray area. They just got to get a yeah. I'm I'm glad that they're reviewing each targeting call now, though. I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, because from at least from what I was able to watch this past weekend, I saw more calls overturned than actual calls being upheld. So even if it was you know fifty one percent to forty nine percent, I'll right. take that. I'll take that <laughs> because they're they're at least looking at it. Yeah. So that's a that's a good thing. Um, anything else you know catching your eye? Mm. At this point, I'm just ready to see them put it all together. You know, I haven't heard much about special teams. Have you heard anything about special teams? Uh, no. I mean, they're working it. But yeah, I, right now, everything we get what we get. Um, right. On Mondays, you know, we get Clay Helton. Uh, Tuesdays, we get an offensive coach and a couple of players. So I'm not going to lie. The format of this whole uh, – uh, uh, of the the pressers is kind of throwing me off that they're doing the presser in the morning and then a yeah. practice that afternoon right which by yeah by the way um real quick note uh, this afternoon scott and i went out to the galen center to cover the uh the mclean Manier mclean's press conference um the the team will be practicing tomorrow at four o'clock in the afternoon so um i'm not sure i i think they'll start flipping the schedule here eventually uh, to get themselves ready. I know Friday night, uh, the team took a field trip over to the Coliseum uh, to kind of see what it looks like all lit up at night for the youngsters who've never seen it before. Uh, and then Saturday, they, the team got up very early. Uh, I think it was a 6 a.m. wake up call to, to go through the protocol, you know, testing protocol and get a team meal and head over to the Coliseum, you know, for their scrimmage that they held Saturday morning. So they got another week of practice and then they have another scrimmage scheduled for Saturday at the Coliseum as well. Uh, they got salute to Troy that they'll be doing virtually. Uh, we've virtually, got a, this will be the first salute to Troy I get to attend. <laughs> I was gonna say, we've got a link up on the uh, com site. Check it out, make sure you register. And uh, you'll find out who the team captains are. That's usually when they're announced. Um, interesting to see it, what this is going to look like through a virtual concert with the Spirit of Troy. They're celebrating teams from the past. I don't wonder know. if Reggie will be there. Yeah. We know Reggie will be there uh, opening game. Because we know the Fox. Fox Sports. Yeah, they're going to be there for that. Okay. Cool. So um, I guess you already kind of touched on where you guys were today. Are you ready yeah. to hop into that discussion? Yeah. So um, you, you, you saw the video. We posted it. What were your uh, impressions from, from that um, press conference? Um, so uh, and we're talking about the Manier McLean press conference yeah. that had um, Naja Ali, I guess, as his representative. Yes. Um, his mother was there, uh, his brother, and some of his teammates. Correct. Um, and for those who uh, are aware, Munir McLean has been suspended from the team activities. He's still in the roster. He's still a student at the university. Um, however, he's under investigation from the federal 
um, investigators, authorities, um, for receiving uh, unemployment benefits. And I guess the question is, was he receive, receiving them illegally? And a lot of his teammates are being questioned. Meanwhile, uh, Munir and his family are trying to speak with representatives from the university, trying to understand why he's being investigated. And so I, I think that was the, the thing I took away from it more than anything else is why has there been a breakdown in communication between the family and the university, especially being that his brother is still attending practice on a regular schedule? Right. So, and obviously that was one of the questions that was asked um, after they were done speaking. Uh, Clay Hilton was the one who let Munir know that um, he's being suspended from team activities. According to the family, they've had no other contact with any other representatives from the university. And that's where their concern comes from. Mm -hmm. Why they can't speak to an individual uh, higher up, well above Clay's pay grade. Because this isn't his decision. This is coming from the university level. Correct. So, um, both, you know, his mom made it very clear that, you know, she's very supportive of Clay. Uh, this isn't really his issue. They want to talk with somebody from the university. Right, yeah, and I heard. After today's press conference, the university did release a statement um, that they have, I guess, something planned. If you, if you give me a moment, I'll see if I can pull that up here. Okay. Um, so, uh, do, 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 do. what's the score on that game right now that you're watching? It is 34-34 with two minutes left in overtime. Uh, Arizona just missed a field goal. Seattle had already punted the ball, and Arizona missed a field goal. So Seattle is on their second overtime possession. So, okay. but, uh, and it, um, okay, the, so USC, USC released a statement in response to the press conference. Um, we understand there may be many questions and concerns, but we are unable to discuss this matter because of our obligation uh, to protect students' privacy and because of the larger investigation with which USC is cooperating. USC has spoken about this matter with Munir McLean and his mother, Shan McLean. We will not discuss those conversations out of respect for the student privacy and due to the pending investigation. Coach Helton has told his team not to engage in rumors, to focus on football, and always do the right thing. If a player or his family chooses to address the media concerning a matter that is under investigation, that is entirely their decision. USC remains committed to supporting its, supporting its exceptional student-athlete community, end quote. So that's USC's response to uh, the press conference. I think it's fair. Um, what I kind of gleaned from that, USC and the McLean family will probably be talking the beginning of next week. I just feel like, I just feel like all of this could have been taken care of without the press conferences, yeah. the media releases, yes, all that, because now it, it does kind of infringe on the privacy. Now, albeit the family and the player release this information, you know, willingly, but, um, it, there, if 
if what they're saying is true and these claims are misinterpreted or false or whatever you know the situation may be then there is an amount of embarrassment that comes with this on their end you know what i mean just having to come out and defend yourself against something because you know if if anybody in the usc community is um close to the mclean family or aware of their their what they do in the community they're they're a very involved family they're not just yeah, the, the last person you would ever suspect of trying to do something illegal or to, you know, to, to scam the federal government would be Munir McLean. Right. Literally, both he and his brother spend time on Skid Row. And if you go and watch the, the, the video, we have the full, I think it's a 25-minute press conference on our mm -hmm. site. You can watch it. Um, these young men literally will spend time on Skid Row handing out meals. Handing so, out essentials, deodorant, toothpaste, yeah. toothbrushes. Correct. You know? Any money that he might have received, I can guarantee you, because someone actually mentioned this to me um, privately. You know, Munir's the type of guy who any money he, he might have received, he's probably handing out to people who need it more than he does. So it, it's not like he was doing anything bad intentions. Um, I, I think eventually the story will come out. The, the truth always does. Right. Um, and, you know, when the time is right, if the McLeans want us to, to help them out, um, we'll give them the opportunity to speak, give them, you know, a platform to, to talk. Uh, but until then, you know, we're, we support the family, we support USC and we're confident this is going to work out sooner rather than later. Right. I hope they do get it worked out. It's just, you know, another year where you going into the season, my first thought was, can't we just get to football? You know? So it's unfortunate. I, 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 like you said, I hope they get it all worked out though. Soon. <laughs> right. You know, one thing I guess working to everybody's advantage is during practice, these guys are in a cocoon. They're in a bubble right now, so they can't, the media is not gonna be able to, to get after them. Correct. I'm shielded right now, so. And DK Metcalf just scored a touchdown, game over. That dude deserves to win the game for them anyways. Super Freak 2.0, he's nasty. Hopefully uh, USC has their own in Brew McCoy. Yeah. Oh, it's a flag. Maybe not. Come yeah, but speaking of, that's another yeah. player. Yeah, let's 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 talk about Brew McCoy. Let's talk about Brew McCoy. He's starting to show. You know, I think I think it, it's interesting to me that one of the things I I've read and heard when Brew's name is mentioned is confidence. You would think somebody with that type of background and as much as many accolades as he's gathered throughout the years, that wouldn't be something that would be a change. But, but then you remind yourself all oh, the turmoil he's been through in the last year and a half on top of COVID, mm -hmm. you know, this guy's probably, it, 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 it may almost be surreal being back out on the field for him, you know, especially in the Carlton and gold. Cause you know what, uh, a year and a half ago, this time he was in Texas. That's wearing right. burnt orange. That's right. Leaving left had left USC. So you know, I, I think Brew McCoy 
I'm glad he's back on the field, but I just want him to get comfortable. I think Brew is fighting to get comfortable right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, the tight end is, seems to be emphasized a lot so far. At least that's what uh, UFC is showing us when they give us our video clips. It's enough talent there. We got to use them. Hey, you know what? You, when you've got somebody the size of a Jude Wolf, um, jump ball all day long. Right, right. <laughs> so we'll know, we, we, we've got a couple guys we could throw out there with that type of size. So, you know, and then you make somebody like Gary Bryan in once he gets healthy. I know he's dealing with a bit of a hamstring. Right. But um, I just, you know, we mentioned uh, Jalen Waddle earlier. And, you know, I look at Gary Bryan Jr. And I'm like, that's, we could get that type, those type of plays out of this guy. We, that's what we can expect from him. There's a lot of plays you can get from different guys on USC's roster right now. Uh, I mean, you can get plays from John Jackson. Uh, you can get plays from Josh Jackson. Yes. Uh, I mean, and that, that's a name we don't even talk about. And it right. just shows you how deep USC's wide receiver roster is. Lanier McLean isn't even being part of the discussion because you still have Tyler Vaughn's. You still have Drake London. You still have Amon Ross St. Brown. You now are injecting Brew McCoy. Kyle Ford is recovering from his knee injury. And like you said, with Jude Wolf emerging at that tight end spot. Right. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see. I, I, I think the offense is going to have – those guys are going to have a lot of confidence. Um like you said, hopefully the defense comes out real confident. Special teams can play a supporting role, as they always should be. Um, interesting enough, uh, you know, Sean Snyder came over from Kansas State. Kansas State, I think, had two punt returns for touchdowns this past weekend. Mm. Who? Wait, they were playing Kansas, right? Yes. Ah, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, they took it to the hat. Les Miles was chewing grass. But yeah, Les Miles is at Kansas now, huh? Dropped fifty-five on him on Saturday. So yeah, I, I saw that final. That was that was. But uh, it's bad. not just football season. Uh, USC basketball has also started. Basketball. I was going to get to you. Get to basketball. Yes. So, yeah. I'm, I've been a little tardy. I'm going to try and have it up uh, by Tuesday. Uh, on Friday, Andy Enfield and Isaiah Mobley um, met with the media as well as Coach Track from the women's team and Alyssa Peely and a couple of the other ladies, um, India and oh God, I apologize, Lady Trojans. I can't, um, Desi uh, was the other player. Um, they kind of had their USC media day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, kind of let us know where the basketball team is at. Uh, so every Friday, um, Coach Enfield and a player or two will meet with the media via Zoom to keep us updated with what's going on. But on nice. Friday last week, uh, we met with Enfield and Mobley, and they brought us up to speed. On Tuesday, I'll have some notes and observations and that whole interview uh, up on the uscscoop.com site. Nice. Perfect. Nice. I'm excited for Trojan basketball this upcoming year. Well, yeah, it's, you know, it's weird. We're, we haven't played our first game of football yet. Uh, USC football and basketball going on simultaneously. Um, one quick note, it looks like USC will be traveling to that bubble out in Connecticut. Uh, 
uh, for that tournament. Um, and then as far as the, the out-of-conference schedule, it's still a little fluid, but it sounds like uh, Kansas and Gonzaga will still remain on that schedule, which is really important. Uh, nice. Yeah, because this is going to be a chance for, you know, USC to really, you know, to kind of show, hey, look, we got the Mobley twins here. We got Ethan Anderson playing point guard. Uh, yeah, this, this team might be able to make some noise if, if all the newcomers and the transfers can, can come together. I'm just excited to see the Mobley brothers go. I'm, I'm excited to see Evan and Isaiah both on the court again, you know. Yeah, Coach Anfield was pretty uh, effusive with his praise. He was also, um, I think we've got like seven guys on this team that are six seven or six eight or or taller. Taller, nice. I mean, that's a long basketball team. Yeah, yeah. So, that's yeah. what the Lakers just won a championship with. Well, uh, I'm thinking back to <laughs> his team that he had at Florida Gulf Coast. That was a long basketball team. Right, yeah, right. City. I mean, those guys. Oh, when they were doing dunk. Yeah, I was going to call it Slamma Jamma Beta number eight. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like he's kind of put that team, that type of uh, personnel together again. Yes. But, he, you know, he's real excited. He says the guy that to kind of maybe keep an eye on uh, is the transfer is Isaiah White. He brings that juice, that energy, so to speak. And then um, as far as the roster being set, <clears throat> excuse me they're still trying to get um drew peterson eligible for this year the transfer okay <clears throat> excuse me so um if they can make that happen uh, that's just another shooter um that they got on the outside which should uh really open things up in the middle so we'll see so that's nice. just coming up uh, that's just kind of a wrap up what's going on right now uh hopefully uh we didn't ramble too long and uh We'll uh, we'll we'll convert this into our we're just one big Trojan family podcast as well for those of you uh, who, for whatever reason, um, enjoy listening rather than watching. Because they're listening in the car, right? I know, but you know what? You could be listening to this in the car too, with our faces in the background. But anyways, I get it. Look at this smile. Who doesn't want to see this smile, right? Right. By the way, as I mentioned offline, you are <laughs> Abdul Malik McLean's doppelganger. You two are twins, man. Only if I had that size. <laughs> Speaking of size, real quick, I had a chance to stand next to two of those freshman offensive linemen. I was going to talk about that. Whoa. Yeah. That was Casey Collier and Cortland Ford. Fo Cortland Ford. Whoa. Dudes are huge. And one of them had two inches on the other one. <laughs> I know. I know. That, so, I don't care what they were ranked. I, was I don't care what their ratings were. This, give them a year in the weight room. Right. And Let you them develop a guys, little bit. I mean, Jonah Monheim is big. I don't know if you guys saw some pictures of him. I mean, that was one thing about that that class. Although they may have been rated low, those guys were all six seven. You know, I, I think uh, Millick from Arizona was probably the lightest at 280, 270, but he's very athletic. Five and bigger. And they're all athletic. They can all right. move very well. 
So I give them that. When you have the veteran offensive lineman returning saying, making the comments that, you know, these guys are big, that's all you need to know. Yeah. Would we like the four and five stars behind these guys? Of course. But don't sleep on them. Offensive linemen are the hardest guys to judge. It is. And, and honestly, truth be told, I, I read an interesting stat on offensive linemen, not to keep rambling on, but just to finish this off real quick. Um, the number of five-star linemen that have been drafted in the first round, I think, was about 13% out of five stars coming out of high school, getting drafted in the first round. And the there hasn't been a, a lineman drafted in the first round that was over 300 pounds or in the top 10 i'm sorry excuse me there has been a lineman draft in the top 10 i was over 300 pounds coming into high school in like the last 15 years wow so i think what they're saying is it takes time to develop right <laughs> and that's the way it should be especially at any university but at usc i don't want to see a freshman starting on a line not out of necessity right he, I, he's starting because he's just that damn good Right, not because right. we need them to start. Exactly. Not that the linemen should be starting two that two years down the line. Right. Go eat, young man. Go work out. Go get strong. Enjoy college. So, anyways, I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, next Sunday we'll do this again. Um, we'll see if we can get either Scott or maybe Josh to join us. Um, I know going forward, once the season does kick off, you and I and Josh are going to are going to do a, a Sunday wrap up of the of USC game as well as the Pac-12 in general. Yeah, I can't go on Saturday right after the game. I'll be too emotional. Oh, trust me. There's too much going on. in there. <laughs> But uh, as far as emotional goes, you know, like I said, if they don't end up on the on the on the winning side of each game. With this schedule and this roster, there's no excuse. And these new coaches. Right. So with that, everybody, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week. We'll keep you updated yep. uh, throughout the week on uscscoop.com. And uh, if you have any questions, you know where to find us. Yep. Fight on. Be safe out there, everybody. Take care. <laughs>